to see you guys this morning. Uh, for those who are watching online, I uh, just want to shout out to Paul. You're listening in Brantford today uh, from a hospice and just grateful that he's able to tune in with us as many others as well. To my parents up in Perry Sound, to those others of you who are listening and just haven't told us yet, grateful that you're uh, tuning in on YouTube or those who are listening online. We're, we're glad that we have the opportunity to do that. Uh, so jumping right in, a couple of weeks ago, we started us this series on Advent, just looking for the arrival of Jesus is kind of what this season is about. And for many, what we've seen is that it's, it's his time to reflect on Jesus coming in a manger, but that's really not where his, his desire is that our hope would be. Our hope was to shift from looking back at the manger to look for his second coming, because he's coming again. And how would we live our lives if we really knew, if we really believed he could come any day? What does he want to find me doing if he returns today? And so we talked about that two weeks ago. You can find that one online. Last week, we simply talked about the original the original message, Christianity has morphed over time and not for the better. But the original message was good, and Jesus is still good for the world. And so this morning, uh, and a couple weeks ago, and this morning, we encourage people to say, do you know the original message? And are you sharing the original message? Because that is what our world needed, because that's what God sent to the planet. And so today, I want to just finish up this series, part three, and uh, set us up for Christmas Eve and uh, hope it inspire us as a, as a team, as Team Jesus, the team he calls the church, uh, as we get ready for this incredible, incredible opportunity uh, that's upon us. So uh, before we get there, uh, you guys familiar with cliches? Cliches like, you know, in one ear and out the other. Uh, Christmas cliches like uh, keep Christ in Christmas. Has anybody heard that before? Let's just say a show of hands who has not heard that before. Okay, what about Jesus is the reason for the season? Anybody heard that? You know, and, and people have heard these things. You know, you see this, if you just Google this, you can find mugs with this on it, T-shirts, uh, ornaments, uh, signs, posters. You find this everywhere, uh, this Jesus is the reason for the season. Uh, and, and what a lot of times what happens with us in cliches, we're just like, eh, it's, it is, in, in one ear and out the other. We don't actually focus on, wow, how powerful that statement is. And just because... Just because it's not the first time we've heard it doesn't actually change its importance, though we sometimes would see it as uh, just less important by, by the amount of times that we've heard it. But I want to look at that this morning. But before, before we get there, a uh, question for you. You ever, you ever found yourself um, on, the, uh, on, the end, on the other end of an opportunity that uh, someone didn't give you? You ever find yourself you missed an opportunity simply because um, someone didn't ask you? Someone didn't give you an opportunity. Uh, it'd be like someone come up to me and say, hey, Mark, you know, I had tickets, front row tickets to the Leaf game, you know, the other night. Uh, I took someone else because I, I really didn't think you'd want to go. And I would do what my kids do. Wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean you, did, you didn't think I would want to go? Like, that's like, that's like Christmas, birthday, Valentine's, everything, you know? Like, that would be amazing. How come you thought I wouldn't want to go? Or maybe you've been on the other side. I have a friend of mine. He loves lobster. Uh, he'll even fly all over the country and to, to the States to, to have lobster in Maine and Boston where it's lobster. But lobster, this, he loves lobster. And so he keeps trying to, uh, he'd been for years, we've been friends for years, and he'd been telling me, man, you got to try lobster. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, uh, I'm good. You know, I'm not really comfortable eating food that's looking at me. I just, it's not my thing. And he's like, no, you got to try it, you know. I'm going to, he's like, I, he, uh, you 
are missing out on the buttery, garlicky goodness of lobster. Like, how you have not lived if you have not tried lobster. He's like, I'll take you out for lobster. I'll even, I'll even make you lobster. So one day he invited me over and he made lobster. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try lobster. And I was like, I took my first bite. And you know what? Anybody could ask me now after that day, you know, hey, Mark, do you want lobster? Would you like, to, would you like me to take you out for lobster? And I can confidently answer, no. I never need to taste that buttery rubber ever again, right? Like, and I, I can't understand why people would spend big dollars on this tasteless, weird strength. You just taste the butter. But <laughs> we've separated the room all of a sudden. I can see by the nudges and the faces. Those who agree with me, you're the spiritual ones this morning, right? So, uh, okay, okay, no, I'm good. I don't want to start. No blood on the carpet, please. All right, so, but of those two scenarios, do you know which one I appreciate more? I appreciate the second one more. I appreciate the opportunity to have the chance to say no. I appreciate, you know, the, the opportunity that somebody would ask and say, hey, we'll give you that chance. We'll give you that opportunity. And today is not about a message of saying no to the Leafs or no to lobsters. Much, much more important than that. Um, this week, I was having lunch with a, a number of pastors from the area. And as we were sitting around talking, they're talking about how the churches are dying. The churches are dwindling. They can't keep their buildings open. And so they, they, were, they were chatting. They said, you know, one, one of the guys had just simply said, you know, he says, I don't know if it's going to be in my lifetime, but it will be soon that there will only be a need for one church in this town. Everybody's just going to end up joining together just to keep that one alive. And I was like, you know when you have that voice in your head that says you probably shouldn't say this? That wasn't working. And so in the middle of this restaurant, I'm like, I hope not. I sat across the table and my, my whole table looks at me. Other tables look at me. I was like, nothing to see here. But there was this thing inside of me. He was like, that doesn't sound like the church that Jesus came to start. When he said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to stand against. I was like, fine, if there's going to be only one church, it better be this one. That, that was my thought. I didn't tell them that. But there's this thought, like, if, if Jesus came to build a church that's going to grow and that's going to change culture and that, that's going to be alive and powerful, then why is it that church doors are closing? Why is it true that there is this dwindling and this de- death of churches in the area? Why is it happening? I think one possible reason I want to look at this morning, I just want to challenge your hearts with this thought as I've been challenged with it as well. As we look at the Christmas story in Luke chapter two, Luke who went and asked all the eyewitnesses said, hey, what did you see? I bet you he got this information either from Mary uh, or from you know, some of the shepherds who were there. But here's what he says, Luke two verse eight. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. And as you hear that, you've probably like, I've heard this before. I can see the eyes begin to glaze over. But have you pictured what it would be like to be there? It might look like this, a group of shepherds sitting around. Have you pictured what this moment is? It says there are shepherds sitting in a field, hanging out together, doing what shepherds do. They're telling sheep jokes. It's like, you know, hey, Cletus, what do you call a sheep with no uh, arms and no legs? I don't know, Marv, what's that? A cloud. Oh, come on, Marv, that's lame. Yeah, just like the sheep. Okay, you know, let's, let's just sing. And you know, the older guys are like, okay, let's just sing. Come on, fellas, we got to stay away. Home, home on the range. And the young guy's like, come on, Grandpa, that's so old. I took my horse to the old town road. Sing with me. Gonna ride till we can no more. And Grandpa's like, come on, stop singing that rotten music. Don't make me come across this fire at you. And all of a sudden, boom. <sighs> suddenly, it says, as they're just having their regular night, suddenly something draws their attention away. And what happens? Here's this message 
a messenger comes to them. That's what an angel is. It's a messenger. And this happened to be a bright, shiny one this time. But it says this messenger came to them with a message. And it says this in verse 9. Suddenly this messenger of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified as they should have been. But the angel says to them, reassures them. He's like, don't be afraid. He said, I didn't come here to scare you. I came with good news for you. That's going to bring great joy to all people. I got good news of great joy for every person. The Savior of the Lord, your Savior, what you needed is here. What you've been wanting, and, and maybe you didn't even know you needed it. He's here. He says, the Messiah of the Lord has been born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you're going to recognize him. If you go look, you'll see it. You'll see it for yourself. You're going to find a baby wrapped in a manger, in, in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Verse 13 says, suddenly... Suddenly, the angel was joined by more angels. How many of you, if an angel told you to do something, you go do it? Don't lie to me. Yes, you would. You'd be so scared not to. These guys were like, oh, there's an angel told us to go do something. What do we do? Let's hide. Can't hide anywhere. All of a sudden, there's a ton more angels come out. And they say, listen, the message is this. The message is this. They're praising God. They're saying glory to God in the highest heaven. There's peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. There's peace with God. You can have peace with God, as they said. And when the angels, when they returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, what'd they say? They're like, hey, let's go. Let's go for ourselves. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see for ourselves what those guys were talking about. Let's go see if it's true. You know, we heard it. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to believe what we just saw, but we saw it. Let's just, I heard something in here. Let's go see if it's true. And so they did. They said they hurried to the village. They didn't dawdle. They went as fast as they could. They found Mary and Joseph. And there, there was the baby lying in a manger. And after seeing him, after seeing that the message was true, the shepherds went and they told everyone else. I, maybe they woke, went that night. They're waking up. People, hey, man, you, she wake up. Did you, did, did, we saw angels. We saw, we saw the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He's born. They're like telling everyone. Says they told everyone what had happened, what the angel had said to them about this child. And here, verse 18, it says, All who heard the shepherds, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. They were astonished. Another word for that is they, they wondered or they marveled. You know, the shepherds, they had to hear a few messengers before they were ready to go and check out the stable for themselves. But they had an opportunity. They said, You know what? Let's, let's, let's go see for ourselves. You know, Cletus, Marv, let's go. They found out that the message was true. And they told other people, hey, we found something true. We think you should go check it out. We don't really know, other than the fact that this, the, the people that they told, we don't know their response. All we know is that they marveled or that they wondered. But guess what? We know they had an opportunity to go. We know that they had an opportunity to stay. We know they had an opportunity to believe. We know they had an opportunity to wonder about this incredible news. Here's my question for us this morning. I wonder if the people around you have had the opportunity to wonder about the good news. I wonder if the people at your work or that you come across have had the opportunity to wonder about this good news. Is it true? Is it good? Is it possible? I wonder if the people in your family have had the opportunity to wonder about the good news. There's a Christmas carol. I'm not going to sing it because I butchered it last night, but it goes, do you hear what I hear? <laughs> Do you hear what I hear? I love that one. You know, it's like the, the little lamb talks to the shepherd. That's cool. Uh, it's not a true story, but it's cool. You know, and they, they, they pass the message along. Do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? Do you know what I know? You ever had those moments where someone else can hear something you can't? You know, like your wife wakes up in the middle of the night. Hey, you hear that? I think it's our kid or a coyote. Like, well, now I'm listening. Which one of my kids sounds like a coyote, right? Like, 
I, I'm listening in now. I, I wasn't before, but maybe if you hear it, maybe I'll hear it. You know, I think the shepherds that night, that was their message as they went out to people like, hey, fellas, did you guys hear what we heard? Did, did you guys see what we saw? Do you know what we know? Have you seen what we've seen? I love the end of that song because the line is this, a child, a child sleeping in the night is going to bring us goodness and light. Bring a lot more than just goodness and light. He'll bring us salvation. He'll bring us good news, bring us light. It actually reminded me of the account of John. John wrote about Jesus in John 4. You can turn there if you have your Bibles. Um, John chapter 4. We referenced this story a little bit last week, so I'm not going to tell the, you know, the main, uh, we're not going to read the main part of it, but you can go back and check it out. But it says Jesus and his disciples, they had to go through Samaria on their way back to Jerusalem. And as they were going through Samaria, Jesus, it was uh, the, the middle of the day. He's hot. He's tired. Everyone's hungry. And Jesus says, you know, I'm not, fellas, I'm just going to sit by the well for a bit here. Why don't you guys go, go into town, grab some food, come back, and I'm just going to wait here. And so the disciples run off. And you, you probably know the story. There's a woman that comes out of town, a woman who comes to draw water when no one else is drawing water. And as she comes to the well, she sees a man there. She's like, oh, I just hope he doesn't talk to me. And she goes and draws water. And of course, he talks to her. And as they're having this conversation, how does it go? He's like, hey. <laughs> he said, go get your husband. She's like, oh, I don't really have one. He's like, he's like yeah, I know. You had five. Pardon? Yeah, and you actually, you're sleeping with a guy right now who's not your husband. She's like, do I know you? The response, I think, that we said last week, if somebody said that today, you walked up and said, hey, Tim Horton, sit down. Hey, yeah, let me just tell you about all your whole sexual history. What would be the response? They'd either leave or they'd slap you. What was her response? Oh, man, you're amazing. You must be the son of God. Well, just stay right there. Everyone I know needs to hear about you. And what does she do? She runs into town. Hey, you, he told me everything about me. He knows everything about you. You got to go see him. Hey, you, he told me everything about me. He knows everything, everything. Go, go, go see him. Go see for yourself. Go see for yourself. Go see for yourself. Would you go see for yourself? He knows everything about you. Even if you're not looking at me. Yes, you're looking at me. Come, come along. He knows. He knows. Come see for yourself. Come see for yourself. And that's exactly what they did. Crowds went out. And it's just at that moment, I love how the story goes, just at that moment, there's Jesus. She comes back, ah, bro, my friends, do it again. Tell me about that guy, <laughs> you know? And, and what happens is Jesus is sitting there with this woman. The disciples come back and they're there looking. They're like, what the heck is he doing? He's talking to a woman. He's talking to a Samaritan woman. We, doesn't he know we don't talk to those people? Man, like a whole crowd, like what are we gonna do? And it's like Jesus answers her thought. They come up and they're like, hey, Jesus, here's KFC. And he says, you know, I'm not hungry anymore. They're like, well, who fed him, they ask. Like, who fed him? And here's what Jesus says, verse 34. Then Jesus explained, fellas, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but when you're doing what God wants you to do, man, it's energizing to you. It's like there's this life on the inside that's just like, I don't know, but it's like I was born for this. I was made for this. And you were. And Jesus says to him, hey, you guys, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest are like, yeah, we know that. And he says to you, but I'm telling you, fellas, wake up, wake up, look around because the fields are already ripe for harvest. And they look around, they're like, no, they're not. They're not ready for harvest. And I think it's like this, as Jesus is sitting there and the guys come up, hey, here's your KFC. And Jesus is like, hey, fellas, do you see what I see? And they look around, they see the crowd streaming from this Samaritan village. They're like, yeah, we see Jesus, Samaritans and more of them. Let's get out of here. And he says, no, you, you, you don't see what I see yet. 
You don't see what I see yet. Fellas, don't, don't say they're no for them. Let's give them an opportunity and see what they say. And he's, the, the, the disciples, their mindset has always been, God's going to do something for Israel. Samaritans are not Israel. He came to do something for us. Why are we even going to waste another second here? Let's get out of here. And here's what Jesus says, verse 36. He says, fellas, the harvesters, they're paid good wages. And the fruit that they harvest is not in the fields. It's people. It's people brought to eternal life. Man, what joy, he says, awaits the planter and the harvester alike. And he's like, you know the saying, one plants. Hey, you know the saying too. Or you could read, one plants and the other harvest. And they knew it. And he says, you know what? That's true. He's like, guess what? This is what it means. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others have already done all the work. And you'll get to gather the harvest. And I think as he said that, you know, others have already done all the work. Others have already planted the seed. He probably winks at the lady who went off and shared with everybody, who brought them all there. She's the one who did all the work. And he's like, and you guys are going to watch what happens next. He says, you know, she said to them, you got to come see for ourselves. She didn't give them their no for them. She didn't say no for them. She gave them an opportunity to say no. She, she went through town. She's like, hey, you know, you don't have to believe what I believe about him but you got to come see for yourself. You've got to have the opportunity to make that decision. You, I want you to have the opportunity to say no. You know how the end of the story goes? Here's how it goes. John chapter 4, verse 39. First word, it's just amazing. Many. <laughs> many. What's many? Three or four? Maybe if that's children you have. But many's not three or four. Many's like many. Like this, a crowd of individuals, unique people, one-of-a-kind individuals from this town in Samaria. They said these Samaritans from the village, many of them, what they believed. They put their trust in Jesus. Why? Because of what the woman had said to them. He told me everything I ever did. Verse 40, when they came out to see him for themselves, they begged him to stay in their village. The disciples like, begging, let's get out of here. And they're like, no, please stay. And here's what he does. Love it, fellas. We ain't leaving. We're actually, we're having a sleepover. We're staying for two days. And they stayed for two days. Long enough for what? Many more. This is not the first many. This is another many. Many more. Many more got to hear the message and believe. They got to put their trust in him. Then they said to the woman, now we believe. Not just because what you said, but why? But because we've heard him for ourselves. Not just because you said, hey, this is what he did for me. But I had a chance to hear him for myself. And now I know what? He's the savior of the world. He's my savior. And do you know why I love that story? Because I believe it can happen again. My hope is that that would happen right here in Balmoral. That is my hope this Christmas. When you look around, what do you see? When you look at this town, what do you see as you drive in? What do you see at your workplace? What do you see at your school? What do you see in your high school? What do you see? Do you see what he sees? Have they heard, have they heard what you've heard? Have the people at your work, have the people at your Christmas dinner, your family dinner, have they heard what you've heard? Do they know what you know? Do they know who you know? And I think the answer for a lot of us is, I don't know. I don't know. And I think sometimes we're so afraid of no that we don't go. I think sometimes we're so afraid of hearing someone say no that we just don't go. Jesus' command to us as Jesus followers, go into all the world, preach the good news, go in the world, tell what God has done for the world. He said in, in, in Matthew and Mark, 
And he says to them, listen, I'm with you always. What is that, Emmanuel? Emmanuel is not in the manger. Emmanuel is with you every day. God with you every day. Have they heard what God has done for the world? You know, I think sometimes for myself, maybe it's you, but we assume, we assume their response so we avoid our responsibility. We assume their response will be no, so we avoid our responsibility. Paul wrote to the Romans this way, Romans chapter 10. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, everyone in this room, everyone in this town, everyone at your work, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, that's good news. That's good news of great joy for everyone. But Paul said this, but how are they going to call on him? If they call on Jesus, they'll, he'll save them. But how are they going to call on him if they, if they don't believe in him? Unless, unless they can trust in him. And how can they trust in him if they've never heard? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? Who's the someone? Who's the someone Paul's talking about? For too many of us, the answer is someone else. But I think the someone is sitting in every seat in this place this morning. Who's the someone? How are they going to hear unless someone tells them? I know this is where you're like, oh, nudge. Hopefully they're listening so I don't have to do it. I felt that way sometimes. No one loves to hear no. No one loves rejection. No one loves that kind of thought. But man, I think maybe we've missed something. Verse 15, how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring what? Good news. See, I think sometimes we forgot that we have good news. Christianity has morphed into something that has lost the goodness of the news. But it's good news. What's the good news? God loves the world, including you. God loves the world, including your neighbor. John 3.16 tells us that. Luke said, you know, a Savior has been born for you. There's forgiveness of sins, Luke wrote in the end of his, of his letter. There's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. What does repent mean? For everyone who knows they need it. For everyone who says, God... I need grace, there's grace. He says, there's good news for them that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this morning, if you don't think it's good news, maybe you're the one who needs to hear it this morning. Maybe you sat in church so long, you forget what this is all about. You forget that it's good news for you, that it's not based on your behavior and whether you're a good little boy or trying to be better for God or getting good with God. He's like, you could never do it, so I did. Unless you were willing to do that, there's nothing There's nothing that can save you except for him. And man, it's good news. But here's what he writes. Verse 16, but not everyone welcomes good news. Not everyone loves the light. It's like your teenage kid in the morning when you flip the light on in their room. Oh, I hate you. I love the darkness. Not everyone welcomes the good news. Isaiah the prophet said, and here's what Paul wrote. He says, Lord, who's believed our message? Who's trusted our message? But faith comes from hearing. It's hearing the good news about Christ. The only opportunity they have to put their trust in Jesus is if they have the chance to hear good news. But not everyone's going to welcome it, which if it didn't happen then is good news for us today that this is the truth. Their response is not your responsibility. Their response is not your responsibility. In the time when Jesus was born, that people came and said, hey, there's a brand new king. And Herod sitting in his palace saying, I don't want there to be a new king. I want to be king. Today, the message goes out, hey, God wants rule, the rule of your life. God wants the control of your life. And there's people who say, I don't want that. I want to control my life. I'll do what I want. Thank you very much. To the Pharisees back in the time of Jesus, he said, there's a new way to come to the Father. And they're like, we don't want a new way. We don't want relationship with God. We'll stick with our rules. We'll stick with our religion. We'd rather just do church services. Don't mess with the rest of our lives. Thank you very much. 
And those people exist today. There was a rich young ruler who came up to Jesus asking for eternal life. And Jesus said, I'll, I'll give you eternal life. Come follow me. Come follow me. But he loved stuff more than loving the opportunity for eternal life. And he walked away. And Jesus says it loved him as he walked away because he gave him the opportunity to make his own choice. Crowds follow Jesus. And then they stopped following him. You know why? Because it's what crowds do. Crowds follow people rather than Christ. And I hope this morning that you're not part of a crowd, but that you're here because you have decided I'm following Christ for myself. So the thought is this, if Jesus couldn't convince everybody that the good news was true, (laughs) we're probably not going to be able to either. Their response is not your responsibility, but giving them an opportunity to respond is. Their response is not your responsibility, but giving them the opportunity to respond is. So as we close this this morning, here's the thought. That's how Jesus is building the church. By giving people the opportunity to say who Jesus is. He shared it with his disciples. Matthew wrote it down. Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Hey, who does everyone else think Jesus is? Hey, who does everyone else think that what the, what the good news is? Verse 14. They replied, well, some think you're John the Baptist, some think you're Elijah, some think you're Jeremiah or just another prophet. Verse 15, he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And I think that question is for every individual in this place. Who do you say? Who do you say? Who do you say? You might hide behind a head, but who do you say? Who do you say? One's laughing at her. Who do you say? Who do you say I am? That's Jesus' question for the world. Who do you say that I am? Because Peter answered and said, I believe, Jesus, you're the son of God. You're the Messiah. You're my savior. Just like all those Samaritan people said in that village, you're the savior of the world. You're my savior. And people have to have the opportunity to say that. People need the opportunity to to answer that question. Have they the people around you had the chance to answer that question. Have you had the chance to answer that question? Maybe for you, it's the first time it's been asked to you this morning. And for the Jesus followers here in this place, our lives are meant to be signs pointing somewhere. I love how Zach said it in, at the beginning. Our lives are meant to be pointing others to him. Jesus said it, let them see your good works and let them glorify your father in heaven. Our lives are meant to be signs. And the question I had to wrestle with this week, and I'm still wrestling with it, is this. Mark, what's your life really pointing to? What are our lives pointing to really? Because sometimes I think we can be seen as the ones pointing at people. Our sign looks like, you know, pointing at people as if we've got it right, they've got it wrong pointing the finger of judgment that is so easy to do but it's like that cliche when you're pointing there's three pointing back at you you know or the sign instead of pointing at them pointing at me hey just look at me I've got all the answers you know I figured this thing out (laughs) so often this is where hypocritical thinking starts look at me I've got it all figured out we're better than you you know whatever I'm a good person those people you know, that, that thought, instead of pointing at us thinking, hey, we've got all the answers, we're never called to. We're simply to point to the answer. Man, my life's not perfect. I haven't got this thing all figured out. I'm, I'm, I need a savior as much as anybody on the planet needs a savior. I've had all kinds of questions and I found he's the answer. 
I think he could be the answer for you as well. And finally, pointing to Christianity. Sometimes we're so quick to just point to a church or point to religion and say, you know, our religion's the best or whatever. He did not come to start a religion, including Christianity. He did not come to start that. He came simply to say, would you come and follow me? He pointed to him, and we should as well, pointing to Christ, the one who's building a gathering of Jesus' followers. As soon as we begin pointing at churches, they start dying. As soon as we begin pointing at buildings and, and, and programs, and this is how we do, we're better than others, man, we start dying. Just like John said, look, look, the Savior of the world. Look, the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look, look at the one. Look at the one who took away my sin. Look to the one who took away my shame, my guilt, my brokenness. Look to the one who showed me grace, the one who showed me hope, the one who showed me the truth, the one who showed me life. I think he could do the same for you. Don't look at me as if I've got it figured out because I haven't. I needed him. Would you take a look at him? And so, last thought. Don't miss this. I know. There's a baby. It's all good. Man, I wish I was a baby. Everyone would listen to me. Maybe that's why he sent a baby. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Jesus followers, have they heard what you've heard? Do they know what you know? Do they know who you know? The people around you, do they know who you know? Or have you said their no for them? Simply by not giving them an opportunity to answer for themselves. You know, my, <laughs> the invitation is, Come not taste and see that lobster's good. Come taste and see that he's good. Come taste and see for yourself that he's good. And my hope, my hope for this week, and we're giving you next weekend off to go and do this, that the good news would go viral in Haldeman, Norfolk this week. That you would leave this place with that thought, man, somebody's got to hear the good news. I want to give somebody the opportunity. And you're like, well, I, I don't know. What's the good news? The good news is this. There's still a thrill of hope. There's still joy to the world still true that love came down for us and it's still true that we can come and see what God has done for us. And maybe you're hearing like, Mark, this feels like a test I didn't study for. I don't know what to say. Uh, hey, um, I know a banker. Uh, do you like Christian stuff? <laughs> and they're like, wow, you're the third person to ask me that. This, 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 today, are you from like the, you, you Christian, are you from Kingsway? What, what's the deal? Here's the thought. You have the opportunity of a lifetime this week. You have the opportunity of a lifetime. In eight days from now, or nine, whatever that day is. Christmas Eve, Eve, and Christmas Eve. We'll be here with good news of great joy for all people. The opportunity. They, last night, they took all the invitations. So you're just going to have to have, take that opportunity. But would you, just for a minute now, would you just think of one person? One person you're not sure if they know. Maybe they've been asked a lot of times, but you're just that one more messenger to say, I'm going to give them an opportunity to say no. I'm going to give him an opportunity to say, no, we're so scared of no, who cares? There was a lady uh, last week who took four of those invitations. She went out and said, last week, she said, Mark, I went out and I invited four people. I don't know if any of them are coming. I was like, awesome. Why? Because you didn't say no for them. You gave them the opportunity to say no for themselves. Would you give people the opportunity to say no this week? Would you go out and say, hey, would you like to come to our Christmas Eve service? We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. And for you this morning, if you're here and you're like, oh, I don't know if I could do that or whatever, would you just pray for me? Because I'm going to go to every single house on this street this week to ask them, to invite them. And when they show up, would you be the people in this place who say, we're, we're on mission. We're so glad you came. 
We're so glad you're here. Welcome to our family. We're, we want you to be a part of this. And maybe you come here and it's packed. It's packed to the gills and you come in. Would you be the ones who said, you know what? I've heard this before. Hey, why don't you have my seat? I came early to get front row seats, but you know what? I'd rather you had those seats in my place. Because we're on a mission, Kingsway. With a group of people all around us that need the opportunity to say no. Because you know what? Some of them may say yes. Oh, man. Oh, man. Heavenly Father, thank you for saying yes to us, for sending your son for us. Thank you for really changing us, for really saving us. Thank you. Holy Spirit, we just take a few seconds right now just of quiet, those faces, those names that you're dropping in our hearts. <laughs> Lord, would, we, would you give us courage this week as we go out from this place to simply invite someone, to give them an opportunity. Heavenly Father, I pray for those in this room that this is their opportunity right now. They feel their heart pounding. And they're like, can we believe that he loves me? God, would you flood them with your love? Would you draw them to yourself this morning? Jesus, I pray that you'd experience everything that you gave your life for over this Christmas season, that many, many, many people will come to know you as a result of your church doing what you told them to do. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the chance to serve you, to live for you and live with you. We go out with Emmanuel, you with us, light up this world for you. In your name we pray, amen.